this week, when I asked the Lord what we should be studying together, what we should be learning together, he said to me these words, water from the rock. Water from the rock. Hallelujah. He's given us water from the rock. So we're going to go to Exodus 17, starting in verse 1. The whole Israelite community set out from the desert of sin, traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded. That's important. As the Lord commanded, they were following the Lord. He went before them by day with a pillar of cloud and by night a pillar of fire, right? He had brought them, he was going to bring them, he was bringing them out of Egypt. So they had come out. And it says, they camped at Rephidim. And in Hebrew, Rephidim means a place in the desert. A place in the desert. Have you ever been following the Lord and then you get to a place and you think, hmm, this sort of feels like a desert. What's going on here, God? <laughs> I know I heard you. I know you're leading me. But there was no water. So they're in a place in a desert, but there was no water for the people to drink. So they quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. Moses replied, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? But the people were thirsty for water there, and they grumbled against Moses. They said, why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children and our livestock die of thirst? So immediately fear gets in, fear of death. Then Moses cried out to the Lord, What am I to do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. The Lord answered Moses, Go in front of the people. Thank you, Jehovah Nisi, our banner. Go out in the front of Israel, take with you some of the elders of Israel, and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile. So the staff here is referring to judgment. The Nile. The water was turned to blood, right? And go. I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock, and water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the place Massah, that means testing, and Meribah, that means quarreling, because the Israelites quarreled and because they tested the Lord, saying, is the Lord among us or not? How could you even ask that question at that point? What, did, what had he already brought them from? And they're saying, is the Lord pillar of cloud? Pillar of fire? Leading you onward? Is the Lord among us or not? But we've all been in that spot, haven't we? We've all been there. 
So in times when you know, you know, you know that God is leading you and you come to what you consider this desert place, a place of lack, a place of thirst, where you need something and you're like, hey, Lord, where are you? Come on. I don't see the promise. I don't see the provision. See, so our natural, no one here, no one at River City Church, but people's natural carnal inclination at that point is to quarrel against God, to argue with him. You know, this should be easy. You were leading me here, so I should sort of be walking on a bed of roses. Right? Remember, they had followed God. They were doing what, what, the way he was leading, but now they're in this thirsty place, this place of need. And the first thing they did, what did they do? They looked to man. Say, hey, Moses, do something for us. Do something for us. Hey, Moses. So they looked to man. And then what did they do? They blamed man. They blamed him, but then they also looked to him for the cure. Man is not our blame. Man is not our cure, ever. The blame game gets you nowhere. The blame game gets you nowhere. It never, it never works, and man is never the cure. Man is never the cure. Moses was not their problem, and Moses was not their cure. Oftentimes, we look to man instead of the presence of Jesus. Where, should we, where are we supposed to keep our eyes? Keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, of our faith. We seek the presence of Jesus. We stand in faith in Jesus. So their eyes were diverted from God to the need. They took their eyes off God, and they got their eyes on the lack instead of keeping their eyes on Jesus, instead of entering deeper, instead of going higher, they stood. They stood and doubted. Their eyes were diverted from where they really needed to be. They took their eyes off the promise, they took their eyes off the hope, and they put their eyes on the lack, on the need, on the fear, on the doubt, it's not a good place to be. It's not that God had left. It's that they had left God. Right? It's that they had left God. God was among them. The problem is not with, with, with God. So very quickly, their faith faded because of the fear that they focused on. Their faith faded because of the fear on which they focused. So we have to get our eyes off the fear and back on God. So yes, God was with them, but was their heart with him? God was with them, but was their heart, their faith, was their heart with him? So people were saying, is God among you? Is God among us? At that time, yes, God is among you, but are you seeking? Are you seeking? Am I seeking? Am I seeking? Am I seeking the deeper things of God? We've had a lot of mighty promises, some mighty words over these past weeks about new wine, 
coming out of the grave. The devil's under our feet. But you see, we have an obligation to seek the deeper things of God, to seek the ascended life, to not accept this carnal realm. It is not the reality. It is not the reality. God says he never leaves us nor forsakes us. Hebrews 13, 5, Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. That's also in Deuteronomy 31, 6. But let me give you two other translations, the second of which I absolutely love and could probably camp there all day, but I won't. We'll move on. But the good news translation, it says, I will never leave you, I will never abandon you. You see where he takes you? He does not abandon you. If you feel abandoned, press in, saints. Press in, go higher, go deeper. He doesn't change his mind. He doesn't abandon the cause. He doesn't abandon the mission. He doesn't ever abandon you. And I love the Aramaic Bible in plain English. It says, For the Lord Jehovah has said, I shall not forsake you, Neither shall I let go of your hand. Don't you love that picture? Come on, think of that. I wish I had a little kid in here right now. Well, I'm a little kid, but I wish I had another little kid. Because he says, never shall I let go of your hand. Come here. Come here, Jasper Lynn. You okay with this? Come here, sweetheart. Look at this. Come here, sweetheart. I'm just going to take you, and you are just going to come with me, and you are going to be in my presence, and I am just going to love you, and love you, and love you, and love you, and I am never going to let go of your hand. I am never going to let go of this precious hand. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? I've never let go, never, never. I'm never going to let go of you. You can walk over there. You can try to get away from me. Go ahead. And you know what? I am just not going to let go. Come on back here, baby. I'm not letting loose. Hallelujah. Don't you love God? Thank you, sweetheart. I didn't mean to embarrass you. <laughs> you see, he's never going to let go. No, how, no matter how far you get away, no matter how far you think you've messed up. See, this is in times of trial. This is in times of where you think you've messed up. But it's also in times of his leading, where he's taken you to a place and you just don't really see where you're going to go next. And he's going to say, come on, baby. I got you. I got this. And we just follow him. We just press more and more into his presence. So anyway, I shall not forsake you, neither shall I let go of your hand. And when we get into that spot, we just got to press in, we got to go deeper, we got to go higher. He's got so much more for us than what we can even ask, think, or imagine. Hallelujah. Exodus 17, 5 through 6. Take with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand the staff. And remember, it was the, the staff he 
he specifically said turning the Nile, when you turn the Nile into blood, so that's judgment, with which you struck the Nile and go. I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb, standing before us, strike the rock, and water will come out of it for the people to drink. And I love this because this shows me God's true character. This shows me God's heart for me. This shows me God's heart for you. Because the Israelites were constantly in rebellion. They were constantly quarreling, constantly complaining. They would get a miracle, and then they would turn, and then they'd get another miracle, and then they would turn. At this point, frankly, God had every right to take the rod and strike them dead. Well, instead, he struck Jesus. But this shows the heart of our Father. He is a Father that shows the heart. It says, I will stand before you by the rock. Strike the rock, and water will come out. It shows his character and his heart for us. It's mercy. It's mercy. You, as a Christian as a believer, are under a covenant of mercy with a loving Father. You are not in a time of wrath. That's the tribulation. And you're not there. So he has Moses take this staff that he could use again for judgment and he demonstrates mercy and provision. He brings water from a rock, from somewhere that you're never going to anticipate it can come from. Your eyes won't see it necessarily, but he'll never fail. The water will come. The water will come. The refreshing will come. The provision will come. The mercy will come. In your time of need, he will not let go of your hand. He sees you. He takes care of the sparrows. He takes care of the lilies. How much more is he going to take care of his precious children? And that's who you are. That's who you are. So what's he showing us? This rock, this rock, yes, it is a picture of Christ. The rock on which we stand. It is a picture of Christ stricken for us. Stricken for us. The water, the water is his cleansing stream. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. There is a river of water ushering forth from the rock of Christ. Thank you that he sent the Holy Spirit. Thank you that the water cleanses me. Thank you that it's streams of holy water, power, resurrection power, strength, victory. Hallelujah. You see what he's saying to them? You see what he's saying to us here? It's the Holy Spirit that Christ ushered in for us, that helps us, empowers us, refreshes us, comforts us, guides us, guards us. Right?
Jesus is the rock. Jesus is the rock. Stricken. Stricken for us. He is the water of life that refreshes us, poured forth for us. He is the resurrection power we need to overcome. He ushered in the Holy Spirit, water from the rock, water from the rock eternal. John 7, 38. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Hallelujah. Don't believe you don't have the Holy Spirit. Are you saved? Are you born again? Have you called on Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Rivers of living water usher forth from within you. Just like from within the rock. King James, He that believes on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. The spirit of truth. The Holy Spirit, communion with God, the very glory that was given Jesus, he says that he gave us. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit. So when we come to a hard place, when life seems so dry, and yet we feel like we, we feel at that point like things are unpromising, where do we need to look? Where do we need to look? We need to look beyond the surface. I mean, face it, when you look at a rock, are you going to see the Holy Spirit? No, oh, come on, let's be honest. When you look at a rock, you're going to see a rock in the carnal. That's what you're going to see in the carnal. And then you go, oh, Jesus, <laughs> there is so much more. There is so much more with you. And I want to see it all. I want to have it all. You know, there's the Holy Spirit. Don't ever let anyone tell you, if you're born again, that you don't have the Holy Spirit. I wasn't planning on talking about this today. But <laughs> anyway, maybe I just will. But, you know, when I wanted to receive, there's the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the evidence of speaking in tongues. Okay, God never changes. Nothing ever changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't just take away things and they disappear. He's the same. So when I... I wasn't raised in church, okay? Well, I was raised in church till maybe I was like eight. Um, that wasn't a good experience. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> so when I got older, and I was reading the Bible one day, and I'm like, okay, well, I had never heard about the Holy Spirit. I never heard about being filled with the Holy Spirit. I never heard about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Didn't even know what that was. And I just said to God one day, well, God, you know, I'd like to just like sort of have everything that you have for me. So could you please tell me what that is? Because I don't know. I really don't know. I was in college. He said, well, Lisa Marie, go read Acts. <laughs> and I go, okay, where's Acts? See, I was raised in a faith that told me that I couldn't read my Bible. Back then. 
So I went to the pool, and I sat down, and I read all day, and I just read Acts. And I said, okay, God, what is this Holy Spirit thing? Okay, like, you tell me it's there. You, I see it right there. And so then you know what he told me next? And this shows you how intimately connected with you God wants to be, how he knows exactly where you are. He can speak to you. He can get his truths across to you regardless. So anyway, I said, okay, God, you say that's true, I say that's true. I'm not going to disagree because it's right there, so I want everything you have for me. So, so please, you know, how, whatever that means, please can I have that. So he goes, hey, Lisa Marie, get up and go down to the cathedral in St. Louis. In my swimsuit, Lord? <laughs> and he's like, well, no, you can change if you want so I go and I change and I go down to the Catholic cathedral. I was raised Catholic till about eight. So I go down to the Catholic, I love Catholics, by the way, okay? So I go down to the cathedral, it's beautiful. And I, I look in there and I'm like, oh, people made this for you, Lord? And he directed me to a certain place. And he goes, look up. And I looked up, and there was this gorgeous mosaic with the little tiles on the ceiling. And you know what it says? You know what it said? It was from Acts. They were filled with the Spirit, and they spoke in tongues. Well, maybe I didn't need that confirmation, but... He obviously was generous enough to give it to me. I said, okay, Lord, that's for me. <laughs> there you go. Well, I wasn't planning even on telling that story today. So I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, evidence of speaking in tongues. Just right there, just all by myself. And God. Standing in that Catholic cathedral. And don't you know it's made all the difference in my life? Okay, well, I'm not going to call it a rabbit trail, but I wasn't planning on saying it, but that is all about. You know, we receive the Holy Spirit when we're born again, yes. Wisdom, understanding, but he always has so many more gifts for us. So many more gifts. I wouldn't even known I needed that gift. I wouldn't even known to want that gift. And he just gave it to me. What a good, good God. Anyway, back to the rock. So see, the rock was Jesus. It symbolized Jesus. And you see, I'm not moved by just what I see there. I'm not moved by just what I see in life. Right. I'm not moved by just what I feel. I'm moved by the Holy Spirit. I'm moved by the Word of God. I'm moved by the Word of God. So the rock was Jesus. But the other thing is in the depths, when you get to those places and you know that the Lord has led you, but you still feel like you're in the depths of a dry place with no water to drink, we press in. When we are in the middle of the mission, every believer, every beloved of you in this room has a mission. 
that God speaks to you about. That God speaks to you about. And when you're in the middle of a mission, and you're at a crossroads, and you're like, you don't know, you press in, you press in, you keep the vision. When you're in the middle, you prophesy the end. If he gave you that vision and you get to the middle and it seems like you're thirsty, prophesy the end, saints. Prophesy the end. Believe unto the end, which isn't really ever going to be an end because when you get there, he'll have a whole other mission. Right? I don't ever want to run out of mission. I never want to run out of mission for my Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So I get to that place and I say, Jesus, you just show me because you know the truth and I'm going to follow, okay? And what's he going to do? He's going to give you fresh manna. He's going to give you new wine. He's going to give you all he has for you. He'll give you the next step. He'll give you new revelation. He'll give you the next ascension. You know what I'm talking about? The next step, he'll give you new understanding that you never had before. Hallelujah. And then he's going to say, and you're going to go and you're going to say, I will not lose my crown. I will not end this mission. I will not be deceived. I will not listen to the devil. I will march on. I will take my marching orders and I will depend on you for the new man. I will depend on you for the new wine. I will depend on you for the new revelation. I will depend on you for the new understanding. And I will receive my reward. Well done, thy good and faithful servant, because I'm going to persevere. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to keep pressing on. And when the devil tries to lie or when he tries to raise his ugly head, I'm going to step on it in the name of Jesus. Because Jesus has given me that name. Jesus has given me his name. At that point, I'm not going to look at the rock. I am going to look into the spirit realm because that's where God lives. And I want his life in me. That's where he lives, the spirit realm. And I'm going to see the rock, but I'm going to look beyond the rock into the spirit realm, and I'm going to see the water in the rock. I'm going to see the water in the rock. Doesn't his word even say that if you don't praise him, the rocks are going to praise him? Well, see, I believe that. I believe it. That's just not like some picture. The rocks will cry out if we don't do our job. So I'm going to look at the rock. I'm going to see water in the rock. And then I'm going to believe God to get that water out of that rock into my heart. Into my belly. My provision. My miracle. My direction. My revelation. For everyone in here. I believe it. I believe it. I believe it. I'm going to look beyond the carnal. I'm going to see into the spirit. I'm not going to believe. If it's counter to the word of God, I'm not going to believe it. It might be a carnal fact, but it's not the spiritual reality. I'm going to stay in the presence of God. 
I'm going to dig deeper, and I'm going to see it his way. I'm going to see it. Jesus, when he came, he said, I only speak what the Father tells me to speak. I only do what the Father tells me to do. And I want that to be the cry of my heart. I want that to be the cry of my heart. So when I see a place in my life that's not in sync with the word, I'm going to look into the spirit realm. I'm going to look past the kernel. And I'm going to believe. My God said it so. Our rock, our foundation, our sure deliverance is Christ, the holy rock on which we stand. He ushers forth, he ushered forth the Spirit, quenching our hearts, filling our thirsty souls. We come to him and we receive a quenching water we will never thirst again. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians 10.1 For I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud. That's the pillar. That's his leading. They all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. I will eat and I will drink of the spiritual rock that accompanies me, that never lets go of my hand. Christ the rock, my spiritual food, my sustenance, my everything, my life, my breath, my very breath. The breath of God in me. Holy Spirit power in me. Can you even believe who you are? Awfully quiet in here. Can you even believe who you are? Believe who you are. Believe the treasure that God has placed in you. Power from on high. Resurrection power, the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, lives in me. Wow. Wow. Well, there was another time when Moses had to call water from the rock, and this is like 40 years later. We're going to go to Numbers 20. Then came the children of Israel, even the whole congregation, into the desert of Zin in the first month, and the people aboard in Kadesh, and Miriam died there and was buried there. And there was no water for the congregation. Well, is the Lord still leading them? Yes, he's still leading them. 
And they gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron. And the people chode with Moses and spake, saying, Would God that we had died when our brethren died before the Lord. And why have you brought up the congregation of the Lord into this wilderness? The only reason they thought it was a wilderness is because they weren't believing God. There really is no wilderness with him. There's none. That's why if you're living in a wilderness, get busy. Get busy. He's not withholding anything. Sometimes the things I say, I would not say in my natural person because they sound really mean. And then I'm like, well, you said it, Lord. That wasn't me. So if you're not happy about something I say, just take it up with him. (laughs) He'll correct me if I'm wrong. Thank Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Correct me if I'm wrong. Anyway, and the people chilled with Moses and spake, saying, Would God that we had died when our brethren died before the Lord? And why have ye brought up the congregation of the Lord into this wilderness that we and our cattle should die here? Well, that's not why he brought them there. That's their thinking. That's their unbelieving thinking. That's just their unbelief. That's their lack of vision. That's them not believing the promise. And wherefore have ye made us to come up out of Egypt to bring us into this evil place? Hello? It is no place of seed or of figs or of vines or of pomegranates, neither is there any water to drink. And Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly. Look what they do here. They go from the presence of the assembly unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. If you're in a dry place, where do you need to go? You go. They went to the door of the tabernacle. What did that signify? The presence of the Lord. Did they get an answer? Yeah, boy, they did. Unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, and they fell on their face. Go fall on your face. Just go fall on your face in the presence of God. And the glory of the Lord appeared unto them. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Take the rod and gather thou assembly together. Don't you think he was probably at this point going, Again? Again? Do I have to do this again? But you know, he's always really good and kind and gracious, and he's always showing us more goodness and more goodness, or we're seeing more goodness and more goodness, I should say. Because he shows them something new here. He shows, us a new, he shows them a new thing. Is God doing a new thing for you? Is God doing a new thing forever? Does God always want to do a new thing? Yeah. 
draw nigh to him as he draws nigh to us, and he shows us new things. Take the rod, gather thou the assembly together, thou and Aaron, thy brother, and speak ye. Speak ye. Speak ye. Speak. Speak ye unto the rock before their eyes, and it shall give forth its water, and thou shalt bring forth to them water out of the rock. So thou shalt give the congregation, and there be strength. And Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he had commanded him, and Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock and said unto them, Hear now, ye rebels, must we fetch rock water out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand, and with his rod, he smote the rock. He smote the rock. Twice. Did he do what the Lord told him to do? No, he didn't. What did he do? He fell into religiosity. He fell into history. He fell into what had worked in the past. Who in here doesn't need new wine? Who in here doesn't need new wineskins? I refuse to live on what worked in the past. God is always doing a new thing. He smote the rock, and water came out abundantly. Oh, what a good God. He didn't even obey, and he got, they got blessed. And the water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank, and their beasts also, and the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, because ye believe me not to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel. Therefore, ye shall not bring this congregation into the land which I have given them. You see, he said, speak to the rock. Christ only had to die once. He only had to be stricken one time, and it was finished. And what kind of sacred cows do you have in your life or I have in my life? That we haven't put under the blood. That we haven't submitted to the fact that he already accomplished it. And I'm going to step on a big one right now, which I hadn't really thought of, really planned. Maybe I should keep my big mouth shut. But I'm going to tell you, you are the glorious church. Quit disqualifying yourself from what Jesus already accomplished. It's blasphemy. Have you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Was his blood enough? Did it cleanse you? 
Did it remove every spot of sin? The curse that you had to suffer for it. Did he accomplish what he intended to accomplish or did he not? Was his blood enough? Did Jesus say, Father, I have given them the glory that you gave me. Did he say it or did he not say it? Stop disqualifying yourself from the glory of God. Stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it. You will never live in victory if you keep doing that to yourself and to others. Does it mean that you don't have room to grow and mature and get wisdom and get more understanding? No. It doesn't mean that at all. That's your job. That's your responsibility. You have a responsibility to constantly renew your mind unto the things of God, to get off the milk, to get on the word. But if you don't believe that you are the body of the glorious church, then you need to understand more of God's love for you. And then when he finished it, he finished it. Your sin does not disqualify you. Your sin does not send you to hell. Not believing on the Lord Jesus Christ sends you to hell. Because if your sin sent you to hell, every single one of us would be going there. But my God says that if I believe on him, I will live with him in eternity. Believe on him. Believe what the blood has done. Believe what the stricken body accomplished. Believe that you are the righteousness of God in Christ. The second you are born again. Do I want to go deeper? Do I want to get better? Do I want to be more mature? Yes, I do. Do I ever want to take his gifts for granted? No, I don't. No, I don't. So this time, back to the story, <laughs> this time he said, speak to the rock. Once we are saved, we have the Holy Spirit within us, been given the name above every other name, the very seed of God is planted in our inner people, in our inner person, and we speak with the creative power of God, the resurrection power of God. He spoke the world into existence. He spoke the universe into existence. He has given me his name, and now I speak 
the creative living word of God because the word of God is alive and active and sharper than any two-edged sword dividing between the carnal and the spirit. And I will speak and I will enter into the spirit realm that God has for me and you. Speak the name. Speak the power. Speak the resurrection. Speak doubt and fear into annihilation. Receive the glory that he has given you. Speak to the mountain. And it's removed. You speak to the mountain. You speak to the desert and let it bloom. You speak to the wilderness and receive your garden of Eden. You're speaking the word of God, the creative force of God, the alive spirit of God. There is no force on earth that can stand against the word of God ushering forth from your belly rivers of living water, the word of God, the Holy Spirit. There is none. Speak lack into God's provision. His kingdom come. His will be done. It doesn't say someday. It doesn't say his will be, will be done. His will be done, done, done. That's your mission. That's my mission. It is my mission to see the vision of God. It is my mission to see what God has in the kingdom of heaven and draw upon the very power of the name with the creative force of the word in my mouth and bring the kingdom of God here so that people can be drawn in unto his love unto his preciousness, unto the fact that he will never let go of their hand. We're commanded to speak the promise, to speak the desired end according to his will, according to his word. In the middle, we prophesy the end. We see ourselves wrapped in the very gifts that God has already given us. Not some future thing. It's not a future creation that you're going to be one day. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. He already said it. We speak it out of a heart of faith, believing that he will do exactly what his word says. So you see, here's what happened. God took them out of Egypt God removed them from their oppressors. God took them out of physical bondage. And then he said, but I have so much more. I have freedom from spiritual bondage. I have freedom from spiritual bondage. I have freedom from all those sacred cows, and I just named one of them today. What are we free to do, though? You know, we preach a lot of freedom here. 
It's not freedom to do whatever you want to do. Do people remember when we said the one will of God? It's freedom to follow the will of God. It's freedom to follow the will of God. It's freedom to follow the word of God. It's freedom to do what he says for us to do. It's not freedom just to live however we want to live without obedience to the word. But isn't it at all? Only obedience to the word brings us freedom. The revelation of the word by the power of the Holy Spirit brings us freedom from spiritual bondage. Freedom from fear. Freedom from anxiety, oppression, depression, religious idols. Thinking that says you're not good enough or that Jesus didn't really accomplish everything that he said he had accomplished in your life. So he showed them He's taking them toward this new land. He's taking them toward this land of promise. And he's saying you can live in freedom from spiritual bondage. We receive the love of God. We receive the love of God. The only place where bondage can live in our lives is where we haven't understood the fullness of God's love. That's the only place where any bondage can remain. So it is vitally important that you focus on how much God loves you. So God told Moses, let my people go. I mean, Moses, God told Moses to tell Pharaoh, let my people go. He said, let my people go, Exodus 5.1. So they were journeying to this new land where they could worship God in spirit and in truth. That's for us, right? In the New Testament. We worship God in spirit and in truth. We can exist in his very presence. We can exist in his very presence all the time. So God was pointing them, when, when, when he showed them water from the rock, you see, he only had to be stricken one time and then we speak the word. Do you see the two things? stricken and the second time speak. That's what Moses got in trouble for. And God was pointing them to the fact that that they actually had a deeper need than their physical. There's a deeper need. There's a spiritual need. A deeper need than what the physical water. It was the water of the Holy Spirit. The water of the Holy Spirit. Entry into the presence of God. Not just Our whole need is a spiritual need, honestly. Everything, every need we have is a spiritual need. We may have different physical manifestations, but it's spiritual need. A need for his presence, a need for his fellowship. And he was freely giving forth rivers of living water. Freely. When he could have judged, he gave mercy. Freely. The scripture says in Luke eleven thirteen, if you being evil, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give good 
gifts to you. In Luke 11.3, it says, how much more will he give the Holy Spirit? How much more will he give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? So you see, it's like this when I asked. I didn't even have so much belief. I just said, well, if it's true, hey, God, <laughs> if this really strange, weird thing that I'm reading right here, because that was my carnal mind at that point, right? That was strange to me. So I just said, if it's true. I didn't even believe it necessarily. I just said, if it's true, could you just let me know? Because I want to have everything that you have for me, and I don't want to have anything less. And that's his heart for us. He wants us to have everything he has for us and nothing less. And in Luke eleven thirteen, it just says all you have to do is ask. John seven thirty eight. Whoever believes in me, this is whoever believes in him, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Hallelujah. So you see, when we come to that place and, it, and he, we know he's led us and it looks like we're going to be thirsty, it looks like there could be the fear of death, he has provision. He has provision. He has more than we could ever ask, think, or imagine for us. And that's where our believers need to be. More than we could ever ask, think, or imagine. And I want to, hey, Carolyn, Carolyn, can you come here? Carolyn told me this testimony. This is grade 20. I don't know if that's important. But anyway, she told me this testimony this week about, and it kind of, it really fits in with what I was talking about today. Because you see, someone in her life had come to a place of a desert, of a dryness of where's my provision, what's going to happen next. And she prayed. <laughs> Aren't you glad for people <laughs> who pray? My son uh, worked for U.S. Bank, and they uh, did away with the IT department, and that's what he managed. So they contracted the service. So that was a few months ago. And they told him if he stayed through July, they would... You'd, of course, get paid, but he'd have a $30,000 bonus. Well, another manager offered him a job, and he took it. And it was going into new businesses and getting it set up, getting their program set up, and ordering all the computer things that they needed. Well, he was working 60 and 70 hours a week the last couple of months, and he was getting sick. So um, I think he told Larry that... He walked away. He gave him two weeks' notice, but don't tell mom. She'll just worry. So when I found out how I found out, I told him I resigned my job at Lost Valley. He said, well, we have something in common. I walked away too. And I said, if it was making you sick, you need to do what's best for you. Well, in the meantime, 
I don't know how many times I told him and Larry, God's got this. I'm not worried. God's got this. So I saw on Monday, he went to a job interview, and they kind of did it backwards. He uh, interviewed with the three top people with the company, and the same day they called and said, well, you need to go meet with Human Resource. So he did. And he said, I don't know, Mom. They said they had another interview. So the next morning on Tuesday, I said, Dear God, I pray that you perform miracles in the life of Michael. He shall not lack in any mountain set before him today shall be re reduced to stepping stones. Help him choose the job that's best suited for him and you. In Jesus' name, I pray. And Tuesday afternoon, I get this little baby text. I got the job. So all the stress is gone for him, and he's, he's so, I'm so, obviously I am one happy mama. <laughs> Thank you. Amen. You see, when you come to a dry place, when you feel overwhelmed, God knows how to give the water. God knows how to give the water. Hallelujah. I'm very, I very much appreciate that testimony. Real life. God's a real life God. Okay. We are going to do communion. And as we take communion, I want you to really think about, think about, think about what Jesus accomplished. It is finished. It is finished. Hallelujah. You think about what water you need from the rock today. You think about what promise you're standing on. And when you receive communion, see this is a miracle meal. When you receive it, you think about the fact that Jesus' stricken body, it was stricken for you that you could know the God, the Father of promise. Amen. His blood was poured out that you would be cleansed from all unrighteousness. 